I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today we watched the 1981 film by Sao Takahata called Chi the Brat or Jaren Kochi. Who would like to give a brief spoiler-free plot synopsis? Uh, this movie is about Chi, her dad Tetsu, uh, her kind of dysfunctional relationship with him, and her mom who had left them. Which, yeah, like the mom meets with Chi. She doesn't want to leave her dad Tetsu. Uh, at the beginning, they meet, uh, she befriends a cat who she names Kotetsu. So it's kind of about her life and what she has to put up with, how she gets through it, and the people and friends that she makes along the way and how they, uh, support her and her family. And it's, it's a, a cute, weird little film. Yeah. What did we think of this movie? First, you all, happy 2024. Happy 2024. Yes. Yes. Thanks for remembering. Of course. Um, Yeah, I, the jury's still a little bit out on me. It's, um, it was very, very strange, but it was, it was good. It was just different. I, I I wouldn't, yeah, it it was, but I, I definitely liked the storyline and I definitely liked, um, and I, and she is just, yeah, an amazing, and Kotetsu, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's quite the cat. <laughs> he's quite the cat. Yeah, it's, I don't know exactly what I expected, but I don't think I could have fully expected what exactly this was. It's like a slice of life with lowbrow humor and... Sometimes the cats walk on two legs and fight each other and have revenge plot lines. <laughs> um, yes, very strange. Yeah, it's a quirky, weird thing, but I I enjoyed it. I'd recommend it. Let's get specific. So this film is based on the manga of the same name by Itsumi Haruki. And after this film's success, uh, Asao Takahata served as the chief director for a follow-up TV series. He would also then, after that, go on to co-found Studio Ghibli along with Hao Miyazaki and make many films. I think only one of which we've watched on the podcast so far, which was um, Palm Poco, the one about the tanuki and environmentalism and stuff. Mm. There's a quote I have that says, After producing a classic like Heidi, how do you now do a film about a girl cooking giblets on Skid Row in Osaka? Asako Takahata was asked that by a rude young journalist called Toshio Suzuki, also known as the future president of Studio Ghibli. At the time, he was the editor of Animage, trying to get the lowdown of why Takahata, the director of charming, inoffensive Sunday TV fare like Heidi and Anna Green Gables, was directing a broad blue-collar comedy. And um, I don't know what his answer was, but I think he just likes this kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, cause I haven't seen my neighbor, the, my neighbors, the Yamadas, but it seems like it's got some similar vibes going in terms of being about quirky families and the communities they live in and 
weird art styles and stuff. So, yeah, I, I don't think this is the only time we'll see something like this for Masao Takahata. And, I mean, yeah, I'd imagine after doing, like, Heidi and Anne of Green Gables and that sort of, like, there was, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but there was kind of, like, this period of Japanese anime on TV. I think especially Toei produced stuff that was just, like, adapting these Western stories pretty faithfully or whatever. And it was just kind of, like, a thing at the time. But I could see how you'd be like, and I'm tired of this. Let's do something really tonally different, <laughs> you know? Not just that. I mean, if it's... Not something that's reflective of your Yeah, I think something experience. more real to the culture, too. Definitely. Yeah, having the opportunity to uh, do something that is more relatable, more grounded. Uh, yeah, I can see how that would be interesting. Yeah, I didn't get it. I didn't get it written down. But I think I, I read that he was also influenced some by like um ralph bakshi's work with like american graffiti and stuff like these kind of looks at the kind of lay person or even low class kind of life of people in in real cities and stuff like i I think that just was appealing to him and then you know the comedic bent um which will certainly that we certainly saw in pompoco also which had a another they both also share a fascination and amusement with uh, balls, but you know, <laughs> um, one is about Tanuki, so it's a little more expected. Yeah, that's within the mythos. Yeah, yeah. Um, this one, what less expected, I guess I'll say, but it was certainly there. Um, they were sometimes important plot points, is what I'll say for now. Um, yeah, let's <laughs> let's talk about the uh, story and characters and stuff. Yeah, the story um, is mm, not meandering, but it's not It's clear. kind of episodic almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not clear what the kind of end point will be to start with. You're getting familiar with uh, the characters. Chi... I, actually, I think you start with the dad, Tetsu, who is trying to bum money off his dad and he says oh she's sick and the dad is really hesitant to give it but eventually gives in and then the dad goes mentions to his wife that he did that and he's like he said she was dead before like so you get the sense that this guy is that the son tetsu is not a good guy, <laughs> just kind of... Not a, uh, not a real trustworthy, upstanding individual. Yes, yes. And then it cuts to him gambling with the money that he got from his dad, and then losing it. And uh, getting kicked out by Yakuza. Right, after he makes a scene saying that the guy cheats. And you cut to Chi, and that's... You connect that, oh, this is the person he said was sick, because I thought it was maybe a wife before. But no, it's his daughter, who is cooking at a restaurant and is getting harangued by some kids, making fun of her for not doing her homework when we can see, well, how could she do homework if she's working in this cafe? Yeah. So she fights them off. Uh, <laughs> that kid that's like, she wouldn't hit me. And I'm like, you are about to be hit in the face. Yes. <laughs> and I was right. And yeah. then she uh, is about to get stiffed by a customer when her dad comes in and, uh, you know, gets the money and maybe a bit more from the customer who is trying to leave. So you get this 
sense of their livelihood, you know, what she has to go through. She doesn't seem, she seems put upon, but not like in danger or upset about it. Yeah. And through the film, like she worries for her dad. You see, it, it's not clear at first, but her mother didn't die. She left them, but she gets to see her mom sometimes and has a real, she's concerned and real loyalty to her dad, to, to both of them. But she's like, he can't make it without me. Right. There's this sense that she has chosen to live with him despite finding him to be just as much of a pain as everyone else does. Yeah. Cause, yeah, because she's worried about him. And so so that shows her her character for sure. Yeah. But, but yeah, and then she meets all these random people and kind of befriends them. Uh, I'm trying to think how she connects. Well, one is her, you know, her father is gambling and when he accused um the mob boss guy the mob boss guy you know of cheating they came to basically get yeah, their they, money they back they came to the shop to get it she entertained them for a while and then and then they paid her i mean like she cooked yes. for him and gave him socky and, and stuff then and then the mob boss was like bored and noticed that she had a cat and so he had his cat fight her cat cuz his cat antonio was a big tough guy cat <laughs> um and and that didn't go in Antonio's favor. Yeah. And this ended up being way more important to the plot than I expected it yes. would be. Yes. Um because yeah. it does then like completely change the mob boss as a character. Yeah. Um because because his cat lost one of his balls, it was taken in fight. He then gets in a fight with a dog off screen and and dies. He dies. And so the mob boss guy like loses all of his tough guy energy. He's sad and crying all the time. He changes his gambling den to an okonomiyaki shop. Um, and he loses he has, his will to live almost. Well, I mean, you know, he's, he's sad. sad. Um, and he's and he's got a he's got his cat stuffed and like carries it with him all the time. <laughs> Um, very sorry. So he, but he like becomes a, a softer, gentler person that she then kind of makes friends with. And he is, he's throughout the movie. He's a main character. Yeah. But, but then some of the thugs that used to work for him come in and kind of bully him to get food. And the reason that she befriends them is her, she, she basically gets her father to work as a bodyguard for him. Yeah. And he comes in and he's really just kind of beating them up. And she intervenes and keeps them from just totally getting uh, pounded. So then they're indebted to her and so they start she's making friends caramel. with a bunch of yeah. Yakuza people. <laughs> yeah. Ex Yakuza. Well, are the two, were those two guys ex Yakuza? Yeah, because they started making caramel. That's true. Yeah, That's I, true. Think they, I think they go away from that life as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, yeah. She, she helps people leave the Yakuza life. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, oh yeah, and uh, one of the little scenes is her dad, she, I forget what she does, but she loses a paper and her dad sees it from her backpack, and mm. it turns out that there's a parent's day at the school that she wasn't going to tell him about, but it fell out, so he goes, he gets a new nice outfit. The whole scene of him being there in her class is so upsetting. Yes, it's so <laughs> the, Just the, the secondhand embarrassment you feel... For her, ugh. Yeah, so uh, he bullies a teacher saying that he's favoring the other students because he's calling on them, but she isn't holding up her hand because she's too busy being embarrassed and like, please let him go away, please let him go away. 
but he makes himself louder and bigger. Uh, and he, he bullies the teacher. He elbows uh, the mom of the kid that was yeah. haranguing she earlier. He's a little punk. Um, but the, and it's I think one of the fascinating things is like looking back and realizing how little things that don't feel like they matter as much end up coming back. So like him haranguing Chi's teacher doesn't come back for a long time, but later in the film the teacher goes to visit Chi and is and is like showing an old yearbook that her dad is in, and then the teacher's dad, who was her dad's teacher. <laughs> Hopefully that made sense. Yeah, no. Um, and, and, and so, like, that comes back of, of him talking about the situation to his dad, which brings his dad in, who has big plot stuff because he basically tries to fix relationships. Like, it's just fascinating how these things come back. I will talk probably in the spoiler section, just for the sake of being able to talk about the full movie, that I'm not I'm completely sure that they always got the order 100% perfect of these things but i'm ultimately i guess glad all of these different plots are in there if that makes sense sure um i liked when the mob i don't remember the mob boss's name so i'm just gonna keep calling him that uh when him and uh chi's mom yoshi i think uh yeah. when they when they hung out and were talking and he revealed some stuff about you know him having um and i think an ex-wife who left him and, and, child. A, and a child and stuff who the wife uh took with her and stuff and he hasn't really seen them and i think it's i think it's a lot of those little moments especially that like really make the movie shine and bring it to a little bit of a a higher level than it would be otherwise you know moments like that or um Tetsu actually being a good dad for once and buying her shoes uh, and remembering to to get soap or whatever. I, I, to something to like what to put on the edge of the shoe so they don't rub her feet. Yeah, raw yeah. Since they're since they're new, they're shoes. brand new, and she's gonna go running in them. Right, so right. She hasn't been able to break them in. Or um, Tetsu and Yoshi later after they have kind of a, a day out at a park talking on the train while she sleeps about her and about themselves. I think it's those sorts of moments that like really carry the movie between all the like silly stuff or, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like uh, yeah, those moments yeah. are really important. Definitely. I, okay. Just help me clarify in my mind. What was the biggest beef the dad has with the mom? The fact that she left or that he just can't do what he wants when she lives there with them. It's never, it doesn't ever seem like it's fully spelled out. And, um, I only have this movie to go off of, so apologies if people have, like, read the manga and know more specifically about the situation. Sure. But it, it seems like they split up at some point. It seems like it was her choice, and my guess is that she was fed up with him acting the way he acts all the time. And so I think when he sees and is around her, there's probably two big emotions for him, which is embarrassment at having kind of lost her or, or been dumped or whatever. And then also resentment of like, I can't be the, act the way that I want to act without being reprimanded around her. You know, that seems kind of the main emotions he s seems to be feeling when she's around. And also, I, and also a bit of like, she doesn't need her as a parent. I'm a good enough parent by myself. You know, that kind of selfishness of like, 
she shouldn't need her, just me. We've been doing fine on our own kind of thing, even though she's almost more repaired than he is most of the time. Yeah, um, well... It's complicated. For sure, because there's the part where it doesn't seem like she... Like, the mom reprimands him, but... Well, but I, I kind of get the sense that that might have been part of why they broke up. So at some point, right, maybe they right. had an argument where that that stuff came out of her, even if she doesn't normally say it. Sure, sure. Because it felt like he's a, like aware that he can't act a way around her, or feels like he can't. Right. And, and we don't see anything directly in the movie that shows why. Right. But there's also definitely, I think, the resentment of... Feeling like her being around changes Chi in yeah. a way that uh, reflects on him. Yeah. Like, Chi wearing nicer clothes to go see her when he realizes. And acting more, quote, girly. Right, right. And so, is it that he realizes that he, that he sees himself as a bad impression on her? Or, yeah, like, there, there's a lot of things that aren't very clear, but he's definitely It's complicated, very... and I think you can read a lot yeah but he's definitely very stubborn yeah and uh not one to be earnest or vulnerable like show his two true feelings there's a number of times where he's manipulating situations to go how he wants or trying to run away to not confront those things definitely uh one of the most heart-wrenching moments for me was Called back on, sorry, it, it comes kind of later where he says that he, you know, misses her being more like a boy. But there was one part that just was so just emotionally wrenching for me when he was basically betting a head bet, you know, was trying to make some money, some kind of scam with his friends of claiming that his child was really a boy. And she comes back from school or something. And not only does he like, does she hear him saying that about, you know, well, she's not a girl, but then he's just like the, the other guys are, okay, well then she can prove, prove that she's a boy. And it's like, he just was just letting his daughter, you know, he's just like, you know, show him, show him your, you know, I just. Yeah, I'd like to talk about that in a different section. So. Yeah. That's... We can talk more in depth okay. about that. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. And, and and then we talked about earlier just him humiliating her at school. I mean, and two is, I, I don't know. I kind of almost got the impression that she didn't know the answers Why is why she also was not raising her hand. Because, again, goes back to her necessarily not having time for homework and everything else. Um, yeah, I think, it, then, I think yeah. you can definitely wonder if it's that she doesn't know or if she doesn't have the ability to figure it out with him there. Yeah, with that kind of pressure. I'd, I'd imagine it's a, a combination. Yeah, I feel like she should know. Like she, I'd imagine she could at least answer some of those questions right. on the board. She's yeah. doing decimals. Like, she's doing money calculations. She she's is. She's doing the books for the restaurant. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So, true. I'm sure she can do it. Yeah, I, I think it's think the distraction. He's there, yes. Like, yeah. And and they, they call her clever and charismatic, and, and it feels that way for sure like in sensing the tension with the parents or just like not wanting something to happen they are forced to go on a trip to the amusement park or he is the tetsu uh with the family and she on the way there starts singing in the train car because like the parents aren't talking at all and it kind of breaks the tension and forces the parents to interact in a way that they yeah. wouldn't have. 
And then she manages to to break the tension with Tetsu even more once they get to the park and he uh and they go and they watch a guy playing a carnival game and he intervenes and wins and then he's like on top of the world because he won and so he just keeps going and playing more games and stuff. Yes. Also the him riding the reserved for children ride <laughs> is very like that's that's him. That's Tetsu. That says what you need to know right there. <laughs> yeah. And having the time of his life. Yes, having the time of his life. Do you guys want to say anything more with um, story, plot, characters, or voice acting before we go on animation? Um, <laughs> who was the cat? Who was... Who, who was Which um, cat? I, I know. Uh, uh, what is her cat? Uh, something Kotetsu. Kotetsu is Kiyoshi Nishikawa. Oh, okay. Yeah, just what cracked me up is him just sounding like a person. Honestly, <laughs> the one that amused me the most was Masaru, the kid who, voiced by Shinusuke Shimada, just sounds like a man. Yeah. <laughs> Does not yeah. sound like a child. There's very little attempt to make him sound like a child. Yeah. Yeah, I think the that kid and his brother, friend, I, I don't know. I'm going to say brother. They're basically always together and they seem to go home with their with the mom, the, yeah. the person that we know is Masaru's mom. Mm-hmm. But then also she's not, she doesn't talk about the other kid when she's in class, but maybe she's just more proud of Masaru. And maybe that kid, did we see that kid was in that class? Maybe he was, they were he was in the class. Yeah, okay, so yeah, maybe she yeah, just, she might just value him more or be more proud of his grades or they're just really close friends. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they live in the same neighborhood. Who knows? Uh, but, and maybe that is, it's just that he kind of represents him and his mom, the looking down on people of, you know, a certain class or whatever. Because he's always making fun of her or poking at her in a way that, you know, kind of makes it show or, or seem that he feels either better than her like he is better than her or that he is threatened by her because he can see yeah like that that she's better than him even though he feels like he should be better than her yeah yeah um he's definitely very annoying <laughs> oh <laughs> and at some point they're running he's the one that tells the dad about the marathon and that's why he gets shoes but that was a funny scene where him and the other kid were running and training and they're like, oh no, Tetsu's over there. It's like, all right, just don't look at him. And so they try to run and he calls out for them. And then when they ignore him, like literally turn away, he throws something at them. He doesn't throw something. He, he rips- breaks off part of the park bench yes. he's sitting on and yes. chucks it at his head. Yes. And then when, and then after that, it has a close up of the part of the park yeah, bench that, that he removed <laughs> and then shows them all sitting on the park bench. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but. Yeah, there's different, uh, the the threads and how they connect together is very interesting. Let's talk about animation. What do you think of the art style, Mom? <laughs> I wasn't a big fan of the art style. How would all. you describe it? Um, everyone was kind of, um, short and stocky, other than some characters. Um, I think it was just the head proportions, I and a lot of the, the, the male was well, interesting because all of the older men and even kind of women had the same head and almost kind of, or kind of head and, and look and all of the men, um, adult men kind of looked very similar as far as head shape and ears and stuff. But, um, 
But Tetsu bothered me the most. I don't know. His face and all. It's, it's it's just, it definitely seemed to some degree to be age for some of them. Because the, her teacher, didn't, who was a guy, didn't really look a lot like the other guy characters we saw. Yeah. But just age and disposition, I think. The Yakuza yeah. guys all kind of look away. Yeah, and the teacher could have been kind of an in-between age. Yeah. Because it's not like the, the teacher wasn't in Tetsu's class. Right. He was... Uh, so I think it could Well, that's what be... I was saying, is that he's younger. Yeah, yeah, that it could be it. But then also Yoshi is assumedly not quite as young as the teacher, even if she's younger than Tetsu, and she looks doesn't look kind of the same. Right, but the, the other kid's mom didn't either. That's true, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, she, yeah. So is, and then she looked... I thought she looked really good, you know, really cute. But yeah, and- it's, it's really stylized, a lot of kind of square shapes but like chunky. round rounded squares yeah everything feels kind of chunky in a way which is interesting. i know i know i mean like i said they're just kind of short and chunky almost kind of how they make a lot of times in um in anime the older the older characters be somewhat shorter kind of and, yeah. and just you know but th- but they were like you said not only shorter and more compact but almost wide just kind of Almost like block characters. Also, the know. cats are jacked. Yeah, cats are so bum. Oh my gosh, the cats. <laughs> and walking on two feet. Oh yeah. my gosh. I loved when you, uh, early in the movie, when you saw the shadow of the cat, who we later learned is Antonio, launching a kick at Tetsu. Yes. Yeah, these are just, these these cats will will fight and stand on two legs and sometimes just speak. Doesn't seem like humans actually understand their speech. So. Yeah. No, yeah, whenever you saw the shadow going across, I thought that he threw the cat at him. No. Nope. But now I know better. He, yeah. had, he had his foot out. That was a kick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I, I also like uh, little details like the walk cycles that Chi and Tetsu kind of share. The way that they'll kind of stop about in a way. Yeah, and, and she will... It'll vary based on her mood. Definitely. There's definitely one where she starts out like stomping and then goes into regular walking. Definitely. Uh, yeah, when she's she's upset and like feeling away, she'll stomp about. <laughs> I was amused when we just straight up got some Son of Godzilla footage in this movie. Oh, yeah! Like not even <laughs> animated, just like live action footage of Godzilla and his son. From the movie Son of Godzilla from 1967. <laughs> um, just, uh, just a fun choice. You know, sure, I'll watch, like, a minute of Son of Godzilla randomly <laughs> while they're at the movie theater. All right. I don't think that, that's, that's a lot of, a lot of people don't like that one, but I, I, it's fun enough. <laughs> The kids seem to enjoy it. Yeah. The- <laughs> I mean, I think that's why I think that's why some people dislike it because they're like, oh, "It's too much for the kids," and I'm like, "Godzilla's for kids at this point. That's just what this era of Godzilla is. You have to accept it." <laughs> also, he stepped on Manila's tail, and that was funny. <laughs> um, yeah i I like the animation here. It's all it's always very fluid and stuff too. Which, yeah, Sao Takahata. That's if he has the budget, I'm not surprised. Uh, I don't think this necessarily has a Studio Ghibli type budget for any of it, but it, it looks very nice. I'm curious what the animated series looks like, if it maintains this level or not. I have no idea how long it is, like how many episodes it has or anything like that. So I don't know much about it, but um, 
this movie it looks it looks nice uh, like it, it's animated well whether or not you like the style is a whole other thing but it, it certainly i like looking at it yeah like very nice details um in the train shots whenever uh yoshi and tetsu are having the conversation you know you can see in the reflection like there's more detailed information like if he's turning away or to it and they made that scene really, really kind of intimate. Like, I don't know. It was a it was a really nice, thoughtful scene. What do you think this movie would be like if it were live action? Which I don't think a live action version of Drunk Pochi exists. I could be wrong. I'm not super well versed on the series. But what do you think about the prospect? I mean, most of it could be pretty well translated other than Sans the, the Antonio and uh Yeah, the cat stuff is probably gonna be different. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I think you could get the vibe from it, but uh <laughs> I I think I think with the I mean, uh, yeah, if you're doing this it's gonna have, you know, a more campy vibe, definitely, if it's um live action, if you're going for the same tone. I think I could see it being Harder to want to deal with some of the adults acting the ways that they do when they're, if you are watching actual adults do it. Yeah. Um, but with the right actors, it could, it could strike an interesting tone. I mean, this definitely leans into the cartooniness, so yeah. I think it's aided by being animated, of course. Um, but it's not impossible. I don't think it would be impossible to do in live action. It would just, I think you'd need to get the right people. Um, and, have some fun direction with it. I don't know what you'd uh, just remove the cat stuff. Or are you going to kind of replace it with anything? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I think the last scenes, you would have to focus more on their reactions or shift some of that in general. The, I, I mean, it would really, really ground it. So I think it would be hard to incorporate that stuff in there. Let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after. How's it hold up? Um, obviously, it sets itself kind of in a certain time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know Japan enough to know how much of this kind of dates it to a time beyond the Son of Godzilla uh, aspect. But it's it's certainly not the modern day. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. Um, and then, yeah, there's the whole... That whole scene where, t- first of all, when Tetsu is telling Chi to show her balls that she doesn't have and he knows she doesn't have, what exactly did he expect her to do to help him? Like, he clearly, you know, this is a con. He's lying to this man and he's trying to get Chi to go along with him. But like... What was she supposed to do to make, to get him to win that one? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was probably like a, uh, she should have turned around when I told her to. She'll have to figure it out. She show him. Like, that's probably his thought process. He doesn't have anything. Right, right. Uh, and she just leaves. Uh, yeah, it's, that whole thing is, 
in, it's interesting because it shows you the importance that balls are going to have in this movie. Yeah, yes. Um, and also, you know, it, it hints at the later thing that, like, you brought up of him kind of wanting her to be a boy in that way, or more boyish, you know, than she's necessarily inclined to be when she has the ability. Like, she clearly has other sides of her she'd like to explore, but doesn't often feel like she can when she's just with him. Mm. Um, and so it sets that up. But it's it's just, it's an extended joke about, like, talking about a child's balls and whether they exist, and that's gross <laughs> i know i think it bothered me on some so many levels because one is it was mortifying for yeah. her because because first of all and also it was she is already in this environment with with these people that you know could possibly do her harm or whether it's um physically or whatever else i mean sometimes you know i I feel like she's she's being left vulnerable and now you know a you know asking a young girl almost to like flash or strip or part of her uh you know of her private parts to a man you know it just felt so violating to me or or like you're 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 not protecting your child how could you even suggest that or th- you know what i mean for whatever reason he did it it just bothered me on so many levels because i mean the, the reason first, he did well, it I know was he wanted for money, money. <laughs> of course for money i just mean but that again is what angered me so much yeah you know, it's kind of like you're putting your child in danger at least emotionally you sure know? yeah so it's just yeah, it, I mean, it's obviously it's played for laughs and we're supposed to understand that he's being an idiot and unreasonable and rude to his daughter. But like, it is just, it's not, it's not very funny and it's gross. And also that's before you get to just kind of the inherent transphobia of it. But it's, it's just like, I think I would cut it, but... At the very least, I don't think it needed to go on as long as it did. I think she should have, like, hit him or walked out yeah. quicker. Yeah. <laughs> like, we were just in that moment a while. Yeah. And it didn't, like, the joke didn't escalate that much for the amount of time we were in it. It was just, it, yeah. It was a very flawed scene as going to be an easy pick for a least favorite scene later. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's it's just kind of gross. Um, it's definitely not intended to be as gross as I think it feels, but it's still, it's not funny. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts offhand on on this section? Just, I mean, I mean, I've, for lack of a word, just the amount of of kind of violence or implied violence, kind of, I don't know. It, there's just a lot. But you think that doesn't hold up? I mean, it's a slapstick film, certainly. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I, I, I guess I just mean is is in. I don't know. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. It just it just bothered. It's me. not in to your context. taste, but I don't know if it doesn't hold up. Well, I just mean in the context of all the violence that would happen around she. I guess I mean was just just bothered me. But that's clearly yes. That's what the series the, is. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that that's what the comics and the show are too. Is is just yeah. these really slapstick quirky weird things that uh, this little girl has to deal with like that's part of the point of it you know is that she's this child having to deal with these things a child shouldn't have to deal with 
All right, let's go on to our spoiler alert. So, the last, you know, if if this if this movie's kind of episodic, the last episode, so to speak, is entirely focused on Antonio Jr., who is and and our our dead cat Antonio's long lost son, who comes and sees his his dead father and and wants revenge on the killer, which is which rather than the direct killer of the dog is Kotetsu because he took his father's ball, which made the dog be able to kill him. And like, it's funny and I'm amused by this whole plot line. I don't think it was the right choice to have it be the last main plot line of the movie. I would maybe have scooted that one to before the whole family reconciling thing. But what do I know? I'm not a movie maker, but I just question the placement of it, you know? Yeah, I mean... Is it's a it, weird note to go out on. Is it the the levity after all of that, in a sense? Is it... Is I mean, it I think showing you can that, have enough of that with the montage bit after that that has is pretty silly. Is it showing that even though they reconcile, the dad still is... Is away? Like, he's the one that goads it on. He has the the uh old boss drink a lot when he hasn't drunk in a while. He points Antonio Jr. towards Kotetsu rather than the bulldog or the old boss who was like, no, it was me. I pushed him to fight. Yeah. Um. So is that more of a characterization for the dad? It feels again like some of that's already in that montage that's after though, where he's like starts doing gambling or whatever like right outside their house yeah I, I feel like that is maybe still a bit too light for what i get it but implies. it just it just feels like a weird it's weird because even if it does have things to say about tetsu it still just feels like a weird note to end the film on because it's primarily about these two cats <laughs> like they're the primary characters for this final thing yeah, and so they yes they fully talk, but it's implied from how, what uh, Chi and uh, maybe Tetsu say. It's like they say that they're not yowling, but like it says it seems like they're meowing. Like they're, yeah, like they hear them meowing, but they don't know what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. They and, just follow these cats to a graveyard, right? Whenever we hear the cats say like uh, Kotetsu's like I buried it in the in the cemetery. Follow me. Why does the ball's in a box, and when he opens the box, we get to see it, and it's like a perfectly round, shiny gold ball. It's a, a jewel, the family jewel. Is that it? <laughs> does that pun work in Japanese? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it was just, why does it look like that? Very know. weird. It doesn't look organic, and I didn't want to see it look organic, you know, just to clarify. But like... Yes, that's right. Why did it look like that? I don't know. And do I understand correct that basically because Chi and even the mob boss or whatever did not want... um Whatever, what cat junior? What's the... Antonio. Antonio, Antonio Jr. to be hurt, you know, that basically Katetsu decided to just... 
not fight and just, you know, again, but let them. I believe so. Instead, instead of directly retaliating, he dodged and then just took punches rather than fighting back. Yeah. It's the cycle of violence. He Mm -hmm. stopped it. He stopped it. He's like, I won't fight back. And then Antonio Jr. was like, you broke my, my vengeful spirit. You won. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's funny. It's just a weird note to end the whole movie on. Like, and yes, there's a montage after that, that I think is completely wordless, but like, that's the main last plot line of the movie. And it's, it's a weird choice to me to have that one be last. I, I don't. Is it the metaphor for their family struggles? I just don't know that you should end a movie on a plot line about other characters that serves possibly as a metaphor for the actual main characters. You know, it's just weird to end the movie focusing on two cats that are not the main characters of the movie. I guess it was a weird And one of overall. one of whom is only introduced in that last part. Yes. It's just I just I just think you maybe yeah, needed to shuffle just, that yeah, one you know. to not be the last one. That's that's my main thing. Antonio Jr. You know? and the boss and everyone does bring Katetsu like like fish yes. and, flowers. and flowers. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, the montage was cute. The uh so the the boss and Tetsu go to the roof with Antonio Jr. to to meet Kotetsu or to talk with him or whatever. And then she and her mom get home and she's like, oh, that's weird. The ladder is here. So she moves it to the side. And so the boss and Tetsu get stranded up there while everybody is like going into the house to to meet each other. And Tetsu just like kind of jumps off. Yes. But then the, the mom boss is like trying to kind of scramble off and like Tetsu puts his hands up like he's gonna help for a sec but he doesn't really he then just kind of moves and the guy falls on his butt and I'm like and while Tetsu's just standing there and I'm like come on yeah this guy's old it's gonna break his tailbone uh but everybody else goes in and Tetsu just waits outside kind of fighting with himself and the thought of what will happen until his other kind of ex-Yakuza buddies set up shop outside and so he hangs out with them yeah yeah it's you know it's a weird movie and it certainly (laughs) chooses to end on a really weird note i'm not sure about that choice but you know and then the art the montage is is cute like that was obviously a, a right choice to end on yeah i don't know it's it's interesting is there anything else i don't know about the spoiler stuff you guys want to talk about No more spoilers. Let's go on to our favorites and least favorites. What was your least favorite scene in the movie? Easily the scene where Tetsu is telling Chi to show her balls to a stranger. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Agreed. For sure. Yeah. Just on so many levels. Um, What was your favorite scene in the movie? I think mine will be... There's a few good scenes. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think I'll I'll choose when uh the dad comes in with the the new shoes and is like uh like where's the soap and she's like why do you need soap and he's like for the edge of the shoe cuz you don't want your feet to get hurt and even going into the race day where him and like he comes in with the banner with his friends with like a pot um cheering her on that's I really like that. That's really good. I think though I am going to pick um 
when she was with her mom. I just love those scenes. Um, and just their relationship and, and, and even just she's her. I, I feel like getting to be a little girl, you know, and, and getting to, to not carry the weight of the world and just enjoy, you know, being around a responsible adult, you know, and, and enjoy eating and enjoy walking in the park and enjoy, you know, running around and introducing her to her friends. I don't know. They're just really heartwarming. I liked. Oh, from that scene, though, I did like whenever they were uh, on the lake in the boat and twice they like <laughs> bump into another boat. Yes. It's yeah. Very cute. <laughs> yeah. Very adorable. Uh, I think my favorite will be the family day out. Um, from the tra- first train ride to the last train ride, the whole part. I just say, yeah, I, it was cute. There's funny stuff and, and also just some of those more complicated feelings. I liked it. Who was your least favorite character in the movie? I think for me, it's going to be the dad, Tetsu, because I, I know he did make some growth, but I just really, I just really don't like, I just don't like his irresponsibility and, and, and what he put she through. And I, yeah, he just really still has so much growing to do. And he just really, (laughs) yeah, he's so far from being where he needs to be. I, (laughs) I'm going to go with the kid who's hanging around Masari all the time. (laughs) I just don't know what his deal is. Maybe he's really cool in the manga. I don't know, but he doesn't got he doesn't have enough. And also, I'm just bothered by not knowing if they're brothers or friends or what. Oh yeah, I think I'll have to go with him too because he's a little punk. Yeah, he's not even like trying to help her out. Like the best thing he does is answer the dad's question about what place he won, which place that she got in. And she didn't get higher because she didn't have the right shoes. Uh, but he's, you know, trying to needle her all the time. Or he's like, yeah, he puts on his face his, uh, an assignment where he got a perfect score and was kind of like showing it off uh, in a disingenuous way. But, but I, yeah, Tetsu is not great. Uh, and it's, uh, I don't know if it's disappointing Yeah, like his lack of growth. There are some good moments in there, but it's just, uh, it doesn't feel like there was a big turn for him. So he's, he's up there, but that kid was, I think, more annoying. Who was your favorite character? I'm gonna have to say Chi. Yeah, yeah, that's an easy pick. She's good. She's just the, the heart and soul of the movie, definitely. Agreed. Yeah, she's, uh... Clever, charismatic, like they said. Uh, she can stand her ground for the most part, even when she shouldn't have to. Yeah, and she is balancing between her parents. It's it's really... She goes through a lot. Much more than she should have to. If Tim Curry were in the English dub of this movie, which I don't believe he is, who would he play? What about the boss? I was going to say Antonio. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> does Antonio talk? I don't know. Maybe Antonio Jr. Maybe he's Antonio and Antonio Jr. What if he's Kotetsu? Oh, he could be Kotetsu. What if he's Tetsu? No. 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 
shot it down. Why? Why? Yeah. Um, no, Tim Curry's too good to play that character. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you'd say something <laughs> like that. What's your reason, babe? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess if we wanted Tim Curry to be, mm, he's not bumbling as much. I, I don't know. I, I think he's too charismatic and smooth, maybe. I don't know. I know. Why do you think he should be? Um, I don't necessarily feel that strongly. I was just amused that you both immediately. <laughs> I knew mom would say no to me. I was just amused you did also. I was like, no, I don't. I just. Uh, I kind of like Kotetsu. I think that'd be funny. Yeah. If the yeah. couple of times that that cat who's around all the time talks is just Tim Curry's voice. Yes, fully. <laughs> that'd like, be very funny. He meows and you're like, is that? And then he fully talks. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> Let's go on to our overall consensus and what we would rate it. Um, I, uh, so yeah, like this film, the, the animation, you know, the style may or may not be to someone's taste, but the animation itself was, was fluid and consistent and the scenes of Japan were lovely. So that, that was good. The, uh, the story dealt with some... As a slice of life, it still dealt with some tougher things of, you know, what a child may go through. But I think most of the characters were very enjoyable, funny. They showed depth, like the growth with the uh, boss guy and him kind of regressing maybe a little bit. But like, all in all, he's he's a a good guy for... Yeah, it but it was a, a weird little movie. Uh, would I watch it again? I, I don't think I'd hate watching it again. I think I'll give it a uh, 3.25. There were a couple of... There was actually one big thing in the How's It Hold Up, but it, it was uh, it was a good film. Okay, I think I'm going to lightly recommend, and I'm kind of torn between a 2.75 and a 3. But I think I will go with a three because I do feel like the animation was very fluid. And I do feel like overall there was a, there were strong characters and and character development. So yeah, anyway, I'm going to go with a three. I will, I'll go with a three. I like it. It's good. I definitely recommend it. I'm wish I'm being wishy-washy between a three and a three point two five right now. I think I'm gonna go with gonna go with the three. I think if the Antonio Jr. plotline wasn't the last plotline, it would probably be at, th- at least a three point two five. I think that's part of what annoys me a little bit about the choices. But overall, um, I like it. I recommend it. I think you should check it out. And I'm. I'm curious about the series. I may or may not look into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think I, I, yeah, I think I'd be interested in that as well. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you. Yes. And again, happy 2024. And please join me any Wednesday at 7 p.m. on Twitch with Nana Critter, N-A-N-A-C-R-I-T-T-E-R. I'm streaming Final Fantasy IX, and it's so much fun getting getting closer and closer to that end here. Um, and my wonderful daughter and daughter-in-law will join me in the chat. We're super friendly, so stop by again any Wednesday at 7 p.m. And next time, we'll be returning to a movie that we covered this past year. Uh, because it has a sequel where little Timmy's gonna go to the rescue. 
of someone. Mm. It'll probably be great. Uh, <laughs> no, her face looks like it won't be great. <laughs> I'm worried. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Love y'all. Bye. This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 2790566. Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening. What are you gonna rate it? Whatever I feel like. <laughs> Which so is it'll certainly be some rating. <laughs> it's definitely know, like I feel about that. it a way, and my score will kind of, in a general sense, reflect the way that I feel about it. You know? What's what's the score gonna be? It's gonna certainly be somewhere between like a zero and a five. Yep. Is it between four and five? Um, well, it's definitely between, like, a zero and a five. Four and five? I think I'd go so far as to say it's between a one and a five. Okay, between a four and a five? I think I don't want to be any more specific than that. <laughs> Why not? Because <laughs> you want me to be. What are you going to rate it? What are you going to rate it? I think I'll rate it. What are you going to rate it? <laughs>